0: Welcome to this sermon podcast from Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you, and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Let's go ahead to John 11. John chapter 11, and like I said earlier, I, I want to be a blessing to you. I, I want you to be uplifted this morning, more than anything else in this world. I, I, th- I thought about myself, I said, Lord, what would you have me speak on? There's so much. Um, but I had one subject in my mind. <clears throat> excuse me, that I thought I would speak on, but then that wouldn't have been very uplifting. It would have been more like a chastening. So, and this church has impressed me so much since I've been up here that I couldn't even bring myself to do something like that, to get up here and say, bless God, you ought to, you know, I'm not going to do that. I think you are some of the most wonderful people I have ever met in my entire life. And I'm not saying that tongue-in-cheek. I mean that sincerely. I think you all are tremendous. Um, And I've been around. And I know. I've been in fundamentalism since I was 16 years old. I went to Bible college two years. I went to Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. And then I went to Bible College at Mid-Atlantic Baptist Bible College for a year. And I've got to know know a lot of great preachers some of which is because it, the Lord gave me a gift to sing and uh, so I try to use my voice to be a blessing but my, my first love is preaching um, I would rather listen to preaching good, bad or indifferent than anything else I know and the reason for that is because when I was young, a pastor that I had at the time, his name was Denver Turner in Manassas Park, Virginia. We would go to Baptist Bible fellowship meetings. How many of you here uh, have ever been to a Bible conference where it's mostly preachers? Raise your hand. Well, that's good. That's great. Then you know what I'm talking about. When you get into a preacher's conference, them guys get after it. I mean, they preach to preachers. And those guys are out there, yeah, you know, they're all excited. Yeah, amen, God bless America, and all that good stuff. So when I was a kid, I got to experience that as a kid. So I'm kind of like that. I get excited. I can't help myself, you know. It's like born in me, I guess you might say so that 's if you wonder why i 'm an amen and kind of a crazy guy, well, now you know uh, I got it honest i I grew up kind of that way, and I got to go to a whole lot of those those uh, pastor meetings and it it was just it was very uplifting here in john chapter eleven we 'll start with verse one through four, and uh, this these scriptures that we 're getting into are my personal favorites, okay? And for a lot of reasons. But these scriptures really show, or should show, you and the world just exactly how powerful Jesus Christ is. Now, a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Um, Christ is on his way with the disciples, and he gets this message. Listen, Lazarus is sick. You need to come quick. And uh, there's been some, a southern gospel song uh, that, that tells this story. But be that as it may, don't come close to how this story is related to us through Scripture. And then if you'll skip down to 20 through 26, we'll read that. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And Jesus saith unto her, this is This stuff is is just so uplifting. Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She's thinking he's talking about, you know, later on. Later on. You know, we're going to look forward. We're, we're, We're looking forward to that, right? The last day when the trump of God shall sound. Time shall be no more. Our bodies will be transfigured. We're looking for that. We're looking forward to that. That's what she was looking at here. But Jesus said unto her, I am, oh, listen, this is, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And then he asks her, Believest thou this? How about you this morning? Do you believe this? It ought to do something to you. It ought to stir your soul. Believest thou this? And look down at 32 through 35. Then when, G, then when Mary was come, where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. I've often wondered what that meant. Why was, why was Jesus troubled? I mean, we can, we can ponder that. And think on that. I'm not sure we can read his mind. But there's so many conclusions that can be drawn. Jesus was troubled. And said, where have ye laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Well, there's a good question. What do you think? Well, sure. (laughs) He could have kept him from dying. I don't think that's the point that he wanted to make. But I think the point that he made was pretty powerful, don't you? Let's keep on going. Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave, It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Man, it's just really chokes me up. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank Thee that Thou hast heard me, and I know that Thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that Thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. You know, there's theologians out there that believe that if Jesus would have just said, come forth, that all the dead would have came out of their graves. Can you imagine that? So Jesus was very, very specific because he had to be. Just think about it. The God that created the universe was standing there with those folks. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That's Jesus. All power. So he had to be very, very specific. This is very theological. This is very deep. And yet it's so simple if we just believe it by faith. Jesus Christ is God. God. Jesus Christ is God. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was ba- bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him, and let him go. I can imagine. <laughs> Poor old Lazarus, you know. you gotta, you got to think about this. I mean, he's going to have to die twice now. You know, I don't know. You know, is that a good thing? I don't know. You know, I kind of get a, I get a chuckle out of it in a way because uh, that'd be kind of a drag to die the first time, but now he's going to have. We know he's going to die the second time. However, then you can ask yourself this also: Was it a good thing he got a reprieve? Well, of course it was. Nobody wants to die. They don't want to. You want to take the next train up? The next bus up, I don't know, most people would say no, you know. I suppose if you were in a, a lot of pain, yeah, you could, you'd probably put your hand up in the air and say, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I know one thing, uh, my, I just talked to my doctor uh, the other day, I have two rotor cuffs that's given me a lot of problems. Well, I went to a, one of them ladies that stretch you out and she stretched me out so bad she tore a tendon so I had to go get an MRI and they, they verified I knew it was torn tendon because I've had them before but uh, sure enough the doctor calls me up and says yeah you had a torn tendon <clears throat> you want to have surgery I said listen doc unless it's life threatening I'm not letting anyone else cut on me okay that's not going to happen so he says, well, what do you want us to do? I said, nothing. I said, I'll just let it heal on its own, because I don't like pain. I'm a big crybaby when it comes to pain. It's a wonder I went in the Marine Corps. I don't, I, still this day, I, I don't know why I did that, because uh, the motto there is no pain, no gain, and I don't like pain, so there you have it. So I don't know why I did, did what I did, but I did. These, these scriptures that, we, that we've read here, um, I, if, you, if you don't mind, I want to preach at you just a little bit. And not, not to be nasty, but I want to uplift you. God is still in the business of making us what we need to be for His sake. These scriptures here let us know that God is Alive and well. Jesus is our all. All to Him we owe. Sin hath left a crimson stain. But He washed it white as snow. God loved us so much that He gave us His only begotten Son... That whosoever, that's you and I, believeth in him, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. All these scriptures that come to our minds, these scriptures here that we've just read, why in the world would God go to so much trouble if he's so aloof to let us know who he is and what he wants? The answer is He wouldn't. He wouldn't go to the trouble of letting us know the Scriptures like He has if He didn't want us to know who He is and what He wants from us. God wants us 100%. Now, just like you... There was a time in my life, and many of you are older than me and beyond me, and I won't deny that. Some of you are younger than me and beyond me, and I wouldn't deny that either. What do I mean by that? I mean, some of you are very intelligent. Some of you probably know the scriptures better than I do. Knowledge is not what God necessarily wants. For you. Knowledge without action is absolutely worthless. It's not enough. You can read the scripture. I. One, this is one I'm going to tell on somebody. <laughs> I'm not going to mention any names. I'm not going to tell you where it's at. But, I had occasion to go to another church uh, and went to the Sunday school class. Now, don't take this wrong. I don't want you to take this wrong. But this is what I observed, okay? So, these people would... The, the, the teacher got in front of the class and he says, hold up your hands, how many of you have read scriptures? And there was quite a few that read scriptures. And that's good. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying it's a good thing. Knowledge is a good thing also. But, they took it a step further, which I I didn't like it. I thought it was crazy. How many did you read? I read 87 chapters. How many did you read? 67 chapters. Seriously? Is that our focus? Do you see what I'm saying? Do you understand? Do you understand what I'm saying? Is the focus really on you and me and how much we read? Listen, you can read Jesus wept, and if you get something out of it, that's enough. My point is that it's not enough to read and attain knowledge unless you act upon it. And if you're throwing your arms up in the air saying, look what I've done, it's all for naught anyway. You understand? So I, that's kind of disconcerting to me when I see things like that. It's, it's arrogant and it's prideful. Now, God bless their hearts, some of those people. That may have not been why they were throwing their hands up and saying, you know, I read 50 chapters in the Bible or whatever. It may have been an innocence. But however, it's still arrogant and boastful. Maybe they don't see that as I do. But nevertheless, it is. It is what it is. And so I hope that God can get a hold of their heart and maybe help them out with that. Because I think it's not a very good thing. Now, I want to go back to 25 and 26 and I want to repeat this because these, these scriptures here really, really are powerful. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die, believest thou this. Now, Jesus Christ is God, and I and I want to show you even more proof of this. I, and why am I doing this? Well, because I think sometimes we read the Word of God and we just read it and read it and read it, and we don't really grasp the fact that God is God and He can do anything, anything. So I want to take you back to Exodus. If you've got your Bible, turn back to Exodus. <clears throat> and I'm just going to read a really short uh, verse here. Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. Now I'm taking you back to Exodus because I want you to get a feel for what happened in the New Testament. Because we're going to go right from there to uh, John chapter 18 verses 4 through 6. So if you want to go back to Exodus chapter 3 verse 14 and then kind of keep your finger in uh, John chapter 18 verses 4 through 6. Then you'll see what I, where I'm getting at here. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me thee. I am. Well, God is omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent. Now, those words just mean that God is Knows everything. Uh, he's everywhere at the same time. And he's all powerful. I mean, if you keep breaking it down, okay, what, who God is and what he's about, you, you couldn't... This Bible can't contain it all. Volumes and volumes and volumes and books could not contain it. So that's why God said, just tell him I am. That's enough. I am is enough. God. Okay, flip back over here to uh, John chapter 18. This is, this is really mind-boggling to me. Now, I've known this for quite a while, but uh, it, when you go down to verse 4 and then you read from 4 to 6, I want you to see something. Now, some of you may not have seen this, most of you probably have. But I just want to remind you who he is. Verse 4 and Jesus, therefore, knowing all things. Man, we could just stop there. Did you see that? Just that one little thing. <laughs> he knows all things. That's the omniscience of God. He knows everything. Sometimes we just read the Scriptures and we just zip through them and don't really grasp the meaning. It's it's mind-boggling. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things, He already knew what was going to happen. Went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? Now He's in the garden. This is after this Lord's Supper. He's in the garden. Picture it. There He is. He's with His disciples. Here comes the 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 uh, ruffians. They're going to take him. They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto him. looky there. What, what is it, class? Come on. What would he say? Huh? 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 I am. Look what happens after that. I mean, it's, this is really cool stuff. And, uh, and he says, I am. And then it tells about Judas being there that betrayed him and the crowd and so on and so forth. And then, as, soon as, th- as soon then as he had said unto them, and I don't think this is saying he said it again. I think it's the same thing, okay? So he says, I am. Look what happened. They went backward and fell to the ground. See, that's one of them, this is one of them wow moments in the Bible. I'm sorry, I'm grinning, ain't I? <laughs> I can't help myself. This is one of them, well, a, for a Marine, this is great stuff. Okay? Well, Marines just love stuff like that. Am I right, Ed? I mean, seriously. This is, this is the stuff that, can you imagine being a United States Marine and standing there by Christ, and he says, I am, and all of a sudden, boom, they're all on the ground i mean it's that's, that's just too cool to me. You talk about power, and it this it ain't the words I mean I said I am none of you fell to the floor, so it's not the words it's who delivered them that's uh, <laughs> I can't even begin to comprehend how incredible being there must have been. I can tell you one person that got wound up from it. Peter. He grabbed his sword and cut somebody's ear off. That would probably been what I would have done. It, it was the wrong thing to do but nevertheless, it's, you know, somebody going to take my Lord? I don't think so. I I just... I want, I want to be a blessing to you this morning. I hope you understand that God is still on the throne and He's still capable. You know, sometimes it, uh, we, we, we feel so all, all alone and so far removed, but we're not. We just think we are. It's all up here. My drill instructor used to say, all battles are fought and won in the mind first. Is it any different for Christians? I don't think so. I think it's even more so true with Christians. Let's go over to to 1 Corinthians 15, and we'll we'll end with this. 1 Corinthians uh, 15, verses 51 through 58. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That ought to motivate us. Those scriptures ought to motivate us. All the scriptures we've read this morning and that we went through. In Matthew twenty-eight eighteen through 20, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. There's your command. There's your commission, whatever. Whatever you want to call it. You have all the power you need in Christ. You have the Bible, which is the inspired Word of God. For you to use, and then you have—they call it the Great Commission. I had my teacher told me, "Why do you need a commission when you have a command?" He called that the command, "Go ye." All of these scriptures, and when you look at when you look at the last part, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What is labor? What is it? You know what it is. It's working. Working hard for the cause of Christ. Working in your life and others' lives that you know. Do you necessarily have to be a preacher, an ordained preacher? Do you necessarily have to be an ordained missionary or even a teacher to fulfill the Great Commission? No, I say no. All it takes is a willing heart and an obedient soul. And God can use you and He will. I have so many stories that I could tell. But I'll leave you with one. My dad was a pastor, and he, he before he became a pastor, I, I have said this publicly and many times, my father is the greatest soul winner I've ever known, personally, myself. Now, he has dementia now, and he's a little messed up, but I'm telling you, what, he used to embarrass me when I was a kid. I mean, it wouldn't matter what it was. We could be going and looking at a used car or a used boat or whatever. I'm not lying. My dad would literally go up to the guy, whoever's selling the boat or the car or whatever. And he'd say, hey, you know you're going to heaven? And I'd be starting to go, trying to find a hole to crawl into. Because I'm like, dad, we're not here for that. This ain't the place for that. Of course, now I'm a grown adult, I understand, and I've I've understood for years. But when I was a kid, it used to flip me out. I was like, why do you do that? Well, because they need Jesus too. (laughs) And I think back on those days and I go, wow, that's a wow moment for me, even today. How How many folks do you know that are like that? I'm still not like that. I can't do it. I, I, when I get my wits about me, I will do it. But my dad used to just do it. He didn't even have to get his wits about him. It was crazy. And I think that's a good thing. How many of us can do that? I think we, that, that ought to be one of our main endeavors. Is to be thoughtful. So much so. That when we look at anyone out there, it will come to our mind there's a soul destined for hell and God loves them. Let's pray.